good to have your Bibles open in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, we'll be taking things as far as verse 28, God willing, this afternoon. The disciples' world was shaking. They were beginning to realize that some of the things that they held most dear weren't going to be around much longer. Things that they held on to as a lasting part of their lives, things they'd grown up with that their parents and grandparents had grown up with. And Jesus had shocked the disciples by telling them that not one stone of the temple in Jerusalem will be left on another. Matthew 24 verse 3. The most precious building in their lives, the centre of their worship, was about to be taken away. There was one person in the world that the disciples trusted more than anyone else. And they'd now been with him for three years. What wonderful years those had been. They'd been taught by him and they believed that Jesus was and is God's Messiah. The one that God had promised would rescue his people. But Jesus had told them that he was going to die. He was going away and they would see him no more until he came back at some future time. The disciples were troubled about the future. They were confused about God's purposes. Well, our world is shaking. Surely we notice that as we uh, hear the news, as we read the news, as we see uh, the pictures of what's going on in the world. The world is shaking. The future of nations is hanging in the balance, and the future, people are saying, looks bleaker than it has for many, many years. Even for the apparently secure nations of Europe, in Europe and America, these nations are being shaken too. They're not immune from trouble. Your personal world may be shaking, you may be confused, you may be perplexed about what's going on in your own personal life. Has God forgotten me? Perhaps that's what you feel like. Has he abandoned me? Has God, uh, are things somehow out of sight from him? That's how we can feel sometimes. Will God do something about it? When will God do something about it? Well, it's natural for us, uh, weak uh, humans that we are, to be anxious and fearful. The disciples did the right thing. They took their concerns at this time to Jesus. And that's what we must do. Where do we find Jesus? We find Jesus here in God's word. And we find him as we pray to him, as we pray to the Father in his name. And it's here in God's word that we have all the help that we need to live to God's glory in this world. Here we have what the Holy Spirit provides for us. Here is everything that you and I need to face the future. So these disciples who are puzzled and perplexed 
come to Jesus as he sits on the Mount of Olives there in verse 3. They come to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, what answer did Jesus give? And he actually gave them a very long answer. It goes all the way through the rest of chapter 24 and all the way through chapter 25 in our Bibles. Jesus takes up these questions of the disciples and he teaches them how to face the future, what to look out for, and what to be on their guard against, and what they should be doing. He tells them as well about their ultimate destiny, their reward uh, that is certain when he returns. Jesus equips these disciples to face the future with understanding. Of course, it's not just these disciples, uh, uh, Peter and James and John and Andrew uh, in front of him, but it's all of us. That message is passed on through them uh, to all of us. And Jesus equips us to face, to face the future with understanding. We need Jesus to guide our thinking, to direct our thoughts to. The future belongs to him. The future is all about him. Here is firm truth to hold on to. Here is help for us to review rightly the times in which we live, troubling though they are. It's help for us not to be shaken by events, help to be prepared, to be faith-filled, to be active, to be ready for when the Lord returns. And in verses 4 to 13 of this chapter, Jesus teaches the disciples and us about the last days in general, about what's going to be happening in the whole time between Jesus coming into this world for the first time and him coming again in glory. So in verses 4 to 14, we have the marks of the last days. There is deception. Don't be deceived by people claiming Jesus has already come back. There's trouble. Don't be alarmed, says Jesus, when you hear of wars and rumours of wars. These things don't mean that the end of the world is now. There's sufferings. You'll be persecuted, even killed. False teachers will deceive many. Many people who claim to follow Jesus will no longer love him. But there's good news. Along with the deception, the trouble, the sufferings, there's good news. He who endures to the end will be saved, says Jesus. The good news of the kingdom of God will be proclaimed in all the world, to all the nations. Then, and only then, the end will come. Well, all those things, the deception, the trouble, the sufferings, and the proclaiming of the good news, all those things are going on today. They're going on now. We see wars, and we hear of rumours of wars. We hear of natural disasters. Many Christians suffering terribly for their faith in North Korea, in many Muslim countries, or through violent Hindu mobs in India. There's growing lawlessness in our society, rejecting God as creator, rebelling against God's design, opposing God's laws openly, an attitude amongst our society which says we are gods and we can make up whatever rules we choose. But we can praise God that he is still giving his people the strength 
to persevere, whether it's people suffering extreme persecution in other places, or it's us here. God is giving his people strength to persevere. The good news is still going out, and people are being saved. That's as far as we got uh, last time, those general marks of the last days. Now Jesus gets specific in from verse 15 onwards. He moves from the general marks of the last days to talking about a specific event from verses 15 to 28. What is this event? Well, it's the fall of Jerusalem. Something was going to happen within a generation that would completely change the landscape. Things would never be the same again. And Jesus is here answering the disciples' question when they asked him, tell us, when will these things be? In other words, when will the temple be destroyed and not one stone left on another? Verse 15, Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Jesus is telling his disciples that things written by the prophet Daniel in Babylon around 575 years earlier were about to be fulfilled. He's saying, when, when you read Daniel, let the reader understand. These things are speak. Daniel is speaking about your times. That's what Jesus is saying to them. In Daniel uh, chapter 11, uh, verse 31, there's a prophecy about a coming wicked ruler. And this is what it says, Daniel 11, verse 31, quoting the ESV here. It says, forces from him, from this wicked ruler, shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering, and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate, or the abomination of desolation. And that prophecy was fulfilled by the Greek king Antiochus IV, or Antiochus Epiphanes, as he's known and called himself. He called himself God coming in the flesh. He viewed himself as an incarnation of, of a Greek uh, god. And he captured Jerusalem around 168 BC and he desecrated the temple and the sacrifices were ended. But Jesus is now speaking of another fulfillment of Daniel. Daniel's prophecy, the, the words that were given to Daniel by God. Daniel also says this in Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 to 27. He says, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Now, those are difficult words to understand. You read through uh, the last chapters of Daniel and you can scratch your head. Uh, but some of those things have been fulfilled once and some of them were foreshadowing a future uh, destruction of the temple that was coming, and Jesus is saying those things are about to be fulfilled now, or very shortly, not, not immediately in terms of the next week, but within that generation, they were going to be 
fulfilled. Jesus is telling the disciples that Jerusalem will soon be made desolate. The temple will be destroyed. And if you look to Luke's account in Luke uh, chapter 21, Luke talks about the same uh, words that Jesus spoke. He highlights slightly different things. And this is what Jesus says, Luke 21 verse 20. And he makes it very clear what Jesus is speaking about. He says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So very clear about armies surrounding Jerusalem in Luke's account. Here is God's judgment on the people who had rejected God's Messiah. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus said, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her. And they were about to crucify the Son of God. Here is God's judgment. Here is why Jesus mourned over Jerusalem in Matthew 37, verse 38, said, See, your house is left to you desolate. So he's warning the disciples ahead of time so that they will know what is going to happen. When the Roman armies besieged Jerusalem, it was a time of terrible suffering. In AD 70, so Maybe 40 years after Jesus spoke these words, the pagan army of Rome entered the Jewish temple and desecrated and destroyed it. And the Jewish historian Josephus recorded what happened. He was an eyewitness of those events. And more than a million Jews were killed by the Romans. And the temple was destroyed, just as Jesus had said. So now the disciples were prepared. They could pass on this warning to those uh, who heard their message, those who believed their message. When they preached the gospel at Pentecost, in the days that followed, they would pass on these words of the Lord Jesus and give people this message. But this was a terrible event that was coming. The temple was going to be destroyed, but it would not be the sign of the Lord's coming immediately. It wouldn't be the sign of the end of the age that the disciples had asked about. It was, though, the, the answer to the question about the temple being destroyed. But the destruction of the temple didn't mean the end of the world. Now, Jesus goes on in verse 23. He says, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. And they say he's in a desert, don't go out. They say he's in a, in a hidden inner room somewhere, don't believe it. For, verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. 
or wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So Jesus is saying that when he does return, there will be no hiding it. It will be unmistakable. There will be no room for doubt by anyone, even his enemies. Everyone in the whole world will see it. We don't know how that can be all over a globe, but that is true. God is not limited in the way that we are limited, and that will be the final upheaval, the end of this present order. There'll be no missing Jesus returning in glory. So the fall of Jerusalem is what Jesus is speaking about in that section there. Well, we're not going to go further this afternoon in that passage. There's a lot more to learn from what Jesus said. But how can we apply these things? How can we learn some lessons from these things that will help us today? Now, here are some applications. Be certain that what Jesus has said will happen, will happen. You can be absolutely certain that the things that Jesus has said will happen, will take place. Jesus' words about the temple were fulfilled. We can look back and we can, we can see, and we can look back in history, uh, there is no Jewish temple in Jerusalem uh, at this time. It was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. And we can be certain that everything else that Jesus told us and all the other prophecies in the scripture that are yet to be fulfilled, they will take place. Jesus will come again on the clouds. Every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2 verses 10 and 11. Today, people mock at the very idea of God's judgment in our society. Uh, people will mock you if you say that you believe that there is a judgment. But judgment will certainly come, whether people believe in it or not. Everything carries on as it always has. Well, that's what people have been saying for at least the last 2,000 years. Um, Apostle Peter 2 Peter 3 verse 3 said, scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? It was just as ridiculous to people in the first century as it is to people in general today. The idea of Jesus coming back to judge the world. But we can be certain that what Jesus has said will happen. He predicted the fall of Jerusalem 40 years before it happened, and Daniel predicted it at six, uh, 575 years roughly before that. What God has planned will happen. Don't be carried along with this world's deception. Don't listen uh, to fake Bible teachers who turn your eyes away from the real Jesus to a fake uh, Jesus, so to speak. They might direct your thoughts perhaps to a God of health and wealth and happiness in the here and now and say that uh, this kind of Jesus will solve all your problems and you'll never have any financial problems again or whatever it might be, never any health issues. No, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Don't listen to those who proclaim a false God who accepts everybody regardless of whether they repent 
of their sins and say that God welcomes everybody, whatever lifestyle they have, even while they hang on to it, into his people. God does welcome everyone. Jesus invites all sinners to come to him. But those sinners must repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus and be changed by him and submit to him. So pay attention to Jesus. What he says will happen, will happen. Whenever you hear someone speaking the message of the Bible, Jesus is speaking to you. Whenever you read it for yourself, Jesus is speaking to you. Are you listening? How foolish it would have been for those living in Jerusalem, those Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem who knew Jesus' words, how foolish it would have been for them to ignore what he said and stay in Jerusalem when the Roman armies came. So Jesus warns you and me to escape from his final judgment by turning from our sins and believing in him. Have you done that or are you ignoring Jesus still? How else can we apply this? Remember God's big picture. Remember God's big picture, his perfect plan. God's plan is all about Jesus now. All about Jesus. No need for a temple. In fact, it was always all about Jesus. Only Jesus hadn't come yet, but now Jesus has come. And there's no going back to that old system, the Jewish system of sacrifices that God gave them in the Old Testament. Jesus is far better. He's the person that it all pointed to. The only way to be saved, whether we are Gentiles, I think we all are this evening, or whether you're Jewish, many Jews who do believe in the Lord Jesus and who have believed in the Lord Jesus, the only way to God is through Jesus. It's not one way for the Jews and one way for the Gentiles. The destruction of the temple brought a final and decisive end to what was in this time of the apostles. It was growing old and ready to vanish away, as the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 8, verse 13. Jesus' death and his resurrection brought an end to that old covenant system of sacrifices. We live in new covenant times. We have direct access to God through Jesus Christ that the Old Testament believers didn't enjoy to the extent that we enjoy them. God lives in us by his spirit. Let's not go backwards but go onwards. Let's lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of us for. Here's what Paul, the Jewish Christian, the one who is a Pharisee of the Pharisees, here's what he said, Philippians 3, verses 7 to 10. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain 
the resurrection from the dead. So Paul is saying, I'm turning my back on all that, all that old way that I knew and loved because Jesus has fulfilled it all. I need no one else. I need nothing else. God, through Christ, does it all. Righteousness from God through faith. So remember God's big picture. It's all about Jesus, his perfect plan. And then finally, by way of applications, we come to a close this afternoon. Those who trust in Jesus have no need to be afraid when facing the future. Those who trust in Jesus have no need to be afraid as we face the future. It's a natural tendency, isn't it, to be afraid? I am the same in that respect. But there's no need for us to be afraid. Jesus has told us beforehand about the kind of things that will happen in the world. And the whole Bible is his word to us. We shouldn't be surprised when such things happen. And we have no need to be fearful. They're not pleasant things. We don't enjoy them. If we are Christians who are in prison, don't enjoy being in prison. They are suffering. But Paul and Silas were able to sing God's praise even from prison with painful backs and their feet in chains. When Daniel was given a message about terrible times in the future that made him tremble and turned his face pale and made him ill as he struggled to understand them and he knew that they were, it was a dark message in many ways. He was also given encouragement along with that difficult message. The message about future sufferings he was also given reassurance for God's people. Daniel 11, verses 32 to 33, said, The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. They shall be strong and do. They shall be strong and do exploits. God's people can still be active. Daniel says, The wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. Those who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Now is the time to be faithful. Jesus equips his disciples and us included to be strong and to do as Daniel was told. We should still be busy in God's service wherever we are. We might think, well, the world, what is the point? No one listens. But we shouldn't think like that. Verse 14 of Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Before he went back into heaven, Jesus told the disciples, Acts 1 verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We should be encouraged, no matter how dark the times, God is still at work. The good news of Jesus Christ is still spreading, and we have a part to play. We work and we pray and we give. And some Christians are sent by churches to engage in that work of taking out the good news full time. No matter what happens in the world, it's all under God's control. That's a big message of Daniel, it's a message of what the Lord Jesus says 
in Matthew 24. Even the persecution of believers that came, those believers in Jerusalem in, in the early chapters of Acts, that accelerated the spread of the gospel to other places as those believers were scattered and they went out telling everyone around them and they were asked, well, why are you here? Well, we've had to leave Jerusalem because they're out to get us. Why are they out to get you? Well, it's because we believe in Jesus. And so the message spread and the new good news of Jesus spread and the Holy Spirit used it to change lives. Well, so in this many ways a dark message of judgment on Jerusalem and the general prospect of the last days of suffering and trouble and so on, there is God's work going on. God's kingdom is being built. Christ has said, I will build my church. And so we can look up and we can hope in these things and know that our Saviour has firm hold of us and he will help us to be faithful. I'll leave the last words as we close with Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 says, Daniel says, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, to God himself, God the Father, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. This is our king. This is our Lord Jesus, our saviour. These things are certain. He cannot fail. He cannot fail you. Well, let's sing to God's praise.